Thought Bubble Audio. Hi, and welcome to the Read Up Podcast, where we talk about books intellectually and stuff. Today, I am joined by recent, fairly recent guest of the show, Scott from the Suicide Squadcast. How are you today? It is early. It is. I'm waking up. It is very early, but Scott, as we are both English teachers, we should be pretty acquainted with talking about books this early in the morning. That is very true, unfortunately. It's like I'm one cup of coffee in. Let's let's do this. Let's talk about literature. Right. <laughs> well, today we are talking about Isaac Asimov's uh, Foundation. We are not talking about the Foundation trilogy, which is obviously a trilogy, so all three of his books put together. Um, the Foundation, Foundation, and Empire, and Second Foundation. We are merely talking about the first, the first one because kind of like Dune, the last time you were on, you know, this is a extremely supposed to be an extremely important work of science fiction, and it was a hole in both of our libraries. Like, yes. just had not read it. Yes, it was not a hole in the library. The book was sitting there taunting me, much like Dune was. But it was like, you haven't read me yet, have you? Mm, silently judging. Yep, the judgment. Yeah, I have that nice um, Barnes and Noble copy. The the Ooh. yeah those that those twenty dollar editions which are just leather bound and pretty oh yeah they're so pretty and this one the the foundation one is particularly pretty it's got like a purple background with like some the design work is kind of like green circuitry and it's got Harry Seldon sitting in his wheelchair with classic sci fi background type thing yeah it's very it's very cool. Um, Mine's the uh, mine's the omnibus edition from the science fiction book club that has like ruins and a man standing on top of a broken pillar staring out into this beautiful green sky with a spiral galaxies. Ooh, that's cool. That's yeah, pretty. I'll, cool. just, I'll just send you a picture later. That's cool. I'll send you a picture of mine as I'll send you a picture of mine as well. What I'm the when you open the first cover, actually, there's um there's a picture of the galaxy. And it's a, a photo provided by NASA, which is pretty cool. Oh, I was that at, is cool. Yeah, I was looking at. I'm just looking at the. Uh, um, I'm just looking at the publishing history section. Michael Whalen did the art in the front. It's very cool. Um, so, so we decided to only read the first one, you know, so that um, just in case, just in case it didn't take to us or it was going to take too long or anything like that. So, uh, instead of maybe uh, the more uh, critical analysis of Foundation. We're just we're just going to free flow and talk about it. And I'm going to first off say I understand that this is an important piece of science fiction. I didn't really care for it. I'm there with you, actually. Thank goodness. Yeah. I was really – this is one of those things that was just like, oh, my God. Not only was I silent, being silently judged for not having read it, now that I've read it and was kind of like, Eh? I was like, oh, God, <laughs> What's, what, are, what are people going to think of me? I know. It's funny that, like, there are some books that you can – there are some books or films or whatever that, you you know, you can read or see. And and there's this weird cultural thing where you're like, no, it's good because it's a classic, obviously. Yes. 
it's, obviously it's the best it's thing important ever i love a portrait of a young artist because it's the best thing ever written no you are lying out of your teeth, or maybe you? i'm lying Who's uh, yes, you're lying. Mm. You know, like, you, I think we've said this before off the air, but, like, you don't have to like everything, especially since it's, like, like you don't watch every channel on TV. You know, you don't watch every television show. You don't watch every movie. You don't listen to every piece of music. You know, like, there are, like, people look at you strangely if you're, like, you know, the Beatles aren't that good. You know, like, What? What are you talking about? The Beatles aren't that good. Please yeah. tell me you're lying about that because that would really. Hurt oh no, I've heard people say. I've heard people say that. <laughs> okay, before. okay. I was just making sure that wasn't you saying. Oh that, no! Like... Oh god! No! <laughs> no! 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 But I've heard people say like, oh, I don't really like the Beatles that much. You know, they're they're fine. And you're like, oh, what do you mean they're fine? Um, and some in some famous piece of literature have that same have that same um aura about them i guess you know and so it's hard to say you know i didn't really care for it like i can say i don't care for some of the beatles later stuff you know but you know but there's still some of the best you know some of the best music to ever exist via via recording Found- so it's weird for something like this to go this is asimov Right. I mean, this is this is like part of like the holy trinity of sci-fi, you know. I I would say that's kind of like Arthur C. Clarke, Heinlein, and Asimov, with you know a healthy dose of Bradbury for good measure. I was going to say you wouldn't go Bradbury or even um, H. G. Wells or uh... I think I'm thinking about like that early 20th century. Like when I'm thinking of like American science, when gotcha. you're thinking about that that explosion of like 50s American science mm-hmm. fiction and I, I, but like that's what I would think of is like is is sort of that Heinlein Clark Asimov trinity. Gotcha. Okay, that's what I was going to say. So I was going to say so you're ignoring Arthur Conan Doyle and things like that because cuz that's Well, that's the that that's that's kind of like the roots, the origin of science fiction. Because I love me some H.G. Wells, I love me Jules Verne. I mean, those those people are Mary Shelley. To, really, if you want to consider the first science fiction novel mm-hmm. probably ever written, like you know, those are those early pioneers. Right. But then I feel like when I think about what today, what we would consider sort of science fiction. I feel like those three are kind of – I mean, those are three I kind of grew up on. Like, those are those three names that you just go, ah, and you think about people writing in, like, analog or sci-fi or or just, with the, you know, those, those, those pulpy science fiction magazines of the 40s and 50s. Well, it's funny that you say that because, because that's where Foundation – comes from originally like it was published in it was published in magazines in sections this for you know just talking about the first book it was published you know in different sections and you can totally tell that it's a bunch of magazine short stories merged together into one book because there really isn't a connective thread i want to talk about hold on before we dive into it too much i want to talk about what this book is actually about for people who don't know foundation tells the story of the formation of this group, the scientific group called the Foundation, which is started by this guy named Harry Selden, who um, invents this thing called um, psychohistory, which is 
basically mapping out is basically mapping out the future of the world via math. So it's actually a concept that you're probably familiar with in sci-fi if you're a sci-fi fan uh, now. Um, but I think it all started with Asimov, and and so um, Selden kind of through his through his uh, through through his um, what do you call it? formulas, you know, determines that like everything's cool now, but there's going to be thousands and thousands of years of galactic civil war and terribleness. And so he creates this thing called the foundation to kind of guide the universe or the galaxy through this time to shrink it from 3000 years of terribleness to maybe a thousand years or a couple hundred years or whatever. And so it's really kind of three sections or well there's five sections i think in the first book and it's just telling different parts of history so it's like year zero of foundation and then 50 years into foundation and then 150 years into foundation it just kind of keeps going up from there yeah all of it framed in very similar to dune with a metafiction of this encyclopedia galactica that is kind of the pretense for what the foundation gets started as and it allows you to kind of get like downloads of information uh, throughout the beginning of all these different chapters and sections. So you're getting kind of you get a little filled in ahead of time of information, and then it tells a story that might lead into what that encyclopedia entry is about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And as fun as that is, that's I think where i that's where i found the biggest flaw for me is that there was nothing for me really because every section was different there really wasn't anybody to connect to like i didn't i by the by the time i finished the first book i was like i don't really care if there's 3000 years or 1000 years of galactic civil war or not because i don't know enough about anything to to ground myself in this in this reality like i there's no character to latch on to there's um because it's really a sociological story it's like what what the impacts of a society on people and how people react to those things or don't react to those things depending on the story actually which which is which is cool but there because there are no characters to latch on to that way it feels a little bit more like reading a history book um or like than it does it feels a little bit more like reading a history book than it does reading a story right because i felt the exact same way as you did like i, I never really cared about the characters it just seemed like a whole bunch of this character did this then this character did this then this character did this and with it being broken up into these three distinct uh future historical periods uh, when you told when i saw your review on goodreads which i completely agreed with that it you about the the fact that it was published in a magazine first mm-hmm. it clicked for me it was like Oh, that makes sense now because I think my biggest problem with it is you're reading it now. It's being sort of pitched to you or sold to you as a novel. 
And in my mind, a novel needs to have a grand overarching plot that, you know, you're supposed to have the inciting incident that leads to the climax, which resolves the overall conflict of the story. You know, and so I'm, I'm, I, I go into a novel expecting that type of structure. And maybe this is something you could just say is, well, then that's my own expectations being imposed on the book. But I'm still expecting a novel, not vignettes. Right. That are extremely loosely connected because they happen to exist in the same literary universe. Like, this feels like it should have been three novels about the three major characters, Selden, Salvor, and Mallow, that should have been developed into their own books instead of, you know, being crunched into what, in my edition, is 212 pages. Right, mine's mm, well even bigger than that. Actually, it's um, two fifty. So it's okay. two hundred and fifty pages of of a couple of sections, like you said, like vignettes that sh- should have been. You know, it's if if it's presented that way ahead of time, like you know, you're like let's say so, like um, so Bradbury is a, a a good example of this. What's the the not the tattoo Martian Chronicles Martian or the Martian Chronicles or the not the tattooed man? What's the guy the uh, oh the illustrated illustra- man. illustrated man? Thank you. Like you know going in that it's a short story, kind of, and the and the impetus for the story is the illustrated man, right? And so right, but but it's not really a, about him. It's stories. Um, this this you think is going to be about Harry Seldon because that's how it sells you. It sells you this guy who invents psychohistory and can map the world. And it's not really about him at all because he's more of this dead, elusive figure, you know, this saint of the foundation, this founder of the foundation. But there's nothing to... I mean, the the book is really about... The first book is really about these three people who are very important to foundation. These are the three, like key figureheads and how they became to be beloved by the foundation. But I don't know how the foundation works or anything. I found the most interesting story, the first one, because like of things like, you know, what, whatever the main character's name in the first, um, you talking Gerald? about Selden's assist, <clears throat> Selden's assistant. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, Gal, Gal Dornick, Gal Dornick. So, so like when Gal was like handed his ticket, and the and the road lit up, and it like you know like to, like we like the gl- the ticket glowed the same way at the light path in the city. So he was like, yeah, go like you go just follow the light like the yellow brick road. I was like, that is so cool. This book is going to be great. And then I never got anything cool like that again. Yeah, I just it it this war. I saw once again. I'm kind of going back to your Goodreads review. I hate that I'm not being very original about this because I'm basically saying, listen to all the brilliant things that Tim has said about this book. (laughs) But you you made a great comparison. You said this is like reading the Cimmerillion before you read the Lord of the Rings. Mm. And forgot even I I forgot I even said that. But. As someone who's never read the Cimmerillion, but has had the Cimmerillion explained to him, mm-hmm. you know, I've only read The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. I've not read the Cimmerillion yet, but I can imagine what it's like. It's like, I feel like I'm 
I'm getting all the back material. Like, this feels like the stuff that, like, in, say, like, Watchmen would be those few pages at the back of every issue that just kind of expands on the world. Or, right. Or, it would, like, or, be, read those sections, but don't read Watchmen at all. Just read exactly. the newspaper sections in the back. Yeah, or, or like what Robin Firth did with the Dark Tower comic books where it was like, here's the story of Roland the Gunslinger. But let's just read the little stories in the back. They're like the legends and the and the mythology of Midworld. It's like, but don't I want to know about you know? Don't I want to know about Bilbo? Don't don't I want to know about Roland? Mm-hmm. Don't I want to know about you know the comedian and Night Owl? No, no, you just want to read the back material. Right. And so this feels like a a two hundred page collection of back material that is awesome for its world building, in that. You set these characters, you set up, this is the way the world works. But then I don't really get to know about the world and the people in it. And, I mean, if you're looking this, if you're, if we're taking this as magazine, so let's say we, let's say that like we remove ourselves from reading it as quote a novel and we, we look at it as magazine installments. How does that change your perception of what you read? Then I think I would just kind of look at knowing that how differently you read a short story than you read a novel. I think it would be cool because I think I would have I would have appreciated and accepted it more because I wouldn't be looking for this big grander narrative. I would just see, oh, this is an episode that happens within this universe. Mm. And then when it was over. I wouldn't be expecting it to be a piece of something larger because I would have thought of it more in an anthology mentality rather than a novel mentality. Mm -hmm. And I probably going into it would have accepted it more. Now, I'll say this. Because of that... I'm already planning on reading the next – no, technically, even though it's called the Foundation Trilogy, technically there's like five books plus two two prequels. That's right. Like this thing goes on for like seven books. But I'm willing to finish this omnibus and read the other two books. I, however, am just not inspired to read it all in one sitting. Like I read the first one. I had no problem taking a break. And when I get around to it, I'm still going to go off and read – the next one, because I'm actually kind of hoping, okay, it can only kind of go up from here. Well, I actually have good news for you on that part, because Foundation and Empire, the second the second book, is two is technically two novellas. And so it, there's like a little bit more story to get into. Instead of it being split into multiple sections, you're getting kind of two complete stories even even though they're short, if you think of them more like short stories or novellas, because that's what they were published as originally, you might find something more to attach yourself onto. And the same goes for Second Foundation, the third in the trilogy. There, There's two novellas in there. And I'm pretty sure Second Foundation, the, the second story in Foundation and Empire... Uh, called the mule connects directly to second found the both sections of second foundation. So as Asimov kept writing, he like crafted a more maybe 
cohesive story with characters as opposed to um as opposed to just these historical vignettes well which is which is is good to hear i mean have you read them yet or are you just or just like the wikipedia that you've that is that is just pure research i have not read them yet okay because i i like that because i'm gonna be honest with you i've never thought of asimov as a novel writer like my experience growing up with asimov is simply as a short story writer that's right i mean and even reading iRobot, which I have read, you you very quickly pick up on the fact as you're reading iRobot, oh, this isn't a novel called iRobot. This is just v- various stories about robotics. And so it was really – it was quicker and easier for me to realize – Oh, I'm reading an anthology. I'm not reading a novel. Mm-hmm. And and so this is the first time I've read some Asimov, and I just kind of went, okay. And and I have to admit, I was kind of dis- I, I was disappointed because Asimov is just. I mean, they have a freaking magazine named after. Like, there's a science fiction magazine named after this man, right? Mm-hmm. And so you don't expect to be disappointed by Asimov. But I'm really kind of starting to realize I think I'm disappointed, and that's really kind of on me because of the expectations that I had going into the book. You know, and I think that's an important thing to to stick stick on when when you're talking about classic pieces of literature or famous pieces, because it, everyone's telling you that it's great because because it's important, but that doesn't mean you have to like it and then the, and then there's the hype factor right you know like oh this yes. movie this movie is this movie's great this book is great it's so important blah 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 you're gonna love it because you love science fiction and so on but like it doesn't mean you have to and and then your expectations about what it is or what it could be are completely different than you know than than this and so it's very hard to it's very hard to move past that that way of thinking and that's not Asimov's fault if anything it's it's I don't know marketing's fault I guess <laughs> society's fault I'll blame you know I'll blame society yeah that's I'll blame society I feel like that's what Asimov would do Asimov would blame society because he's he's trying to say yeah you're gonna go you're gonna go down in ruin and uh but we need science to and and strategy to help save us all because really when you boil it down because i feel like something we've not talked about about this book so far and it's kind of our complaint is that there's not really a plot to follow there's not really a character journey to go with it's more just people being cogs in this greater machine right of history Right. And maybe that's even the statement Asimov is trying to make mm. is that we are all cogs moving history along and we have to play our part at the right time for history to go a certain way. Because really that's what Selden's psychohistory is. I have constructed this grand algorithm, this grand formula that if if variables, a.k.a. people, make certain chess moves at the right times in course of events, 
this is the way it can go. Because they talk about Selden crises. And these are these giant turning points in history where something must be done or something must not be done. And that will put the galaxy, the galactic empire, the foundation on the, quote, right path for prosperity and survival. And if you wanted kind of a giant – if you'd want the grand statement about what this book is, I feel like that's it. Yeah, I think you're, absol- I think you're absolutely right. And, and while that's great, while grand statements are great, if I maintain that if, I, if, if the author doesn't give me a reason to care about the grand statement, then the story kind of falls flat. Oh, I I agree, but I'm just trying to say, like, I'm trying to sort of objectively stand outside of myself mm. and go, what was what was the author's intent? Right. Well, what was the author's purpose? Not what I wanted from the story. What was the author trying to do? Author, and objectively, yeah. I can say that's what Asimov was trying to do. That's what Asimov was trying to say with these loosely connected short stories which we've kind of established is what this really is. Right, cuz author's intent is is incredibly important to story. What what is what does the author want you to get out of this piece? Because that's because well see here's the so here's the thing. Here's the thing. Author's intent is important. What does the author want you to get out of here? But if you don't get what the author if you don't get author intention when you read it, is that the author's fault or is it the reader's fault? I always say it takes two to tango. Mm. I, I I always feel like you cannot completely 100% of the time blame one or the other. I believe in any situation – I mean as teachers, we've watched our students that we just wanted to you know, take the book and hit them upside the head and go, why are you not getting this? Mm-hmm. The author is giving you everything you need. And yet if the student still doesn't get it, do we blame the author? No, we don't because because as – like you said, it takes two to tango and maybe the text is a little difficult or um, – but the reader has to be in the zone to get something out of the book. You can read anything and get nothing out of it. You have to stay – you have to think about what you're reading. Um because it's hard. Reading can be reading can be hard that way. You know, it, like lenses are the most important part about reading. How am I looking at how am I looking at this story? Yeah. And so what I think is that what I what I look at is that I feel like that Asimov and I it, from my reception of the book are in our own ways, you know, to blame, you know, here is a collection that has been presented to me as a novel that does not really worry about plot and characterization. And then I'm going in expecting those things, which can be my own fault. And then we just, you know, we got two left feet. You know, we're not Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers here. You know, we're we're, we're kind of stepping on each other going, oh, what do you do? Oh, oh, is this? And so that that dance between the reader and the author is just it, it. It makes the reading difficult, but I can't blame just myself, but I also can't blame just Asimov. 
That's right. And I think the the difference is, is so like we 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 look at Asimov here and say, I I didn't care for it, but I got what you were doing, and I can't say that you're a bad writer because that's not true. The writing was very good. It's just not what I was expecting or even or or enjoy. But but I can still recognize the technicality of your writing and say you're good. You're good at what you do. Whereas you can, I think, only really blame an author if the writing itself is poor. Right. And and to his credit, it's not like I've got this trilogy on the bus. I finished the first two hundred something pages, and I'm like, eh, I'm done. No, no, I'm I, I I'm intrigued. While I maybe didn't enjoy it, I'm intrigued enough to go to the next book. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, I you got to give an author credit that while he didn't completely win me over, he also didn't completely turn me off. That's right. I think I think I think part of the thing that keeps me turned on is kind of like I know this is important, and so I'm going to have to like. I'm going to have to continue because it's important in its own way. You know what I mean? Like I need to, I need to kind of add that to my collection. You don't, you don't watch say an hour of Ben Hur and go, yeah, I got it. You know, it's important. You know, you really should finish all of Citizen Kane, you know? Yeah, exactly. And this is also a, there's a couple – let's be honest. There's also a couple of external factors because I can be extrinsically motivated to, to, to read certain things. And this book last – well, as of the time of this recording, it was last summer – was listed on that PBS Great American Reads list. Oh, yeah. Sure. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I have a checkbox mentality that I'm like, I need to check the boxes. Mm-hmm. And so I, same reason you know, Dune was on there as well. And so I've got that kind of going, OK, it's on this list. That's enough to make me go buck up, chum. And also – you know, there have been those rumors, and it's been kind of quietly, but there have been these rumors of that that new Apple streaming service, Apple TV Plus, mm-hmm. that they were going they were de- they were developing a television series based on Foundation. You know, I had and, I had that in my mind while I was reading this because I'm like, because I'm I'm very much like, oh, you're adapting it into a TV show. I'll give it. I'll give the book a shot because I almost want to see if the TV show will be worth my time. If mm-hmm. that makes sense, you know, I did the same thing with Wheel of Time um, because that's coming from Amazon and um, Patriot Games, you know, Jack Ryan, you know, again. So, like, I'm like, I want to I want to know halfway through Foundation, I was like, how are you going to adapt this? Because you're going to be adding a lot of supplemental material. Well, it's one of those things, too, that I'm also curious what. That's that's also something that intrigues me about reading the next two books. Like, what do they add? What do they have to maybe borrow from? Or, and also thinking maybe the episodic structure of a TV series, like the fact that this was originally published as stories in a magazine, helps the consumption of the material. It's it, that's very possible. Except that because there's such huge time jumps between uh, between stories, would you? Would an audience 
like attach itself because it's not really an anthology series in the way that say like the twilight zone is so it doesn't really matter if it's new characters every every week because it's all concerning the foundation and so you have to make the audience like asimov needed to do with his audience care about what happens to the foundation in the first place you could conceivably do a couple of episodes like for each section but i could see that whole first i could see that whole first story being a season you know because it has all the drama in there and all the stories technically have all the drama that you would need to make a compelling television show asimov just doesn't present characters in that way it's a little cold and distant maybe the way that selden is a little distant and so I, that's a, I don't know, that's a challenge, and I'm glad it's not my job. Well, I also thinking, if you, because I agree with you, I would think, I would think of these three sections as almost their own seasons, and because it's a streaming service, you know, you've got more of that streaming slash cable mentality that doesn't say, oh, we need 22, 23 episodes in in a season. It could be for, it could be more of that British cable model where you could do four episodes and be like, oh, yep, that's season one. Mm -hmm. Peace out. And then come back later for a season two. And they could structure it that way because it's streaming, and that would work, in my opinion. You know, I agree, and it's it's funny because even with streaming, a lot of services like are still in the i got to have 13 episodes, or I've got to have uh, 10 episodes. You know, it has to hit a particular number. Or you could just have as many episodes as you need to tell the story you need to tell. Yeah, I mean, I'm thinking about a series that I'm kind of watching right now because the new season just aired, you know, like Luther on the BBC. Oh, sure. Where season four was two episodes. Season five that just finished airing was four episodes. I mean, it's it's one of those where it's like, nope, the season's as long as the season needs to be. Yeah, which in some way, like, like weirdly robs you of time so it's like if it's yours like let's say it's your favorite characters you'd be like oh well in american television i get 22 hours of my favorite character but three quarters of those episodes are fillers right so i guess it depends like do you care more about just seeing the characters or do you care more about a good important story and i think i care more about the story than i do about most characters Right, which is how then I think adapting Foundation could work in that kind of a model. As if they, if the, if Apple gets me to care about the story. Yes. Yeah. Do you think Apple TV Plus, um, part of the mandate for being like a few, like a science fiction story, um, will be model the model the tech off of Apple designs? I hadn't even thought about that. I I, I am kind of curious about what the – if there is any kind of corporate mandate coming down. Because, um, I mean, it's their products. So so in the future, everyone's using – in Asimov's Apple found like future, everyone's using Apple devices. Or it's kind of like J.J. Abrams' Star Trek where like the, the bridge of the Enterprise kind of looks like, you know, a 2002 iPod. Or something, you know, something like that. 
You know, maybe, maybe, maybe not necessarily. I mean, look at look at the Amazon series. I mean, did everyone in Jack Ryan look like they had a Kindle Fire? You know, it's it's no, you know that's true. That is so, true. Just saying, it, it it doesn't it doesn't have to go down that way just because of who's the service. They could just be saying make good TV because we're trying to sell this service, right? And let's and let me be honest with you: the announcement a year ago that that. Apple was doing foundation that was kind of the final like kick in the pants because like like we, I mean, like we like talked about with Dune, Dune mm-hmm. like Dune there's nothing like a forthcoming adaptation to light a fire under my butt yeah me to too. finally read something because I'm that glutton for punishment that always has to read the source material before seeing the adaptation 90% of the time like if I realize it's adapted for something and I've got the time, I make it happen. So like with Dune, making sure that I had it read before the new movie in 2020, you know, hearing about this TV series, just the, just the suggestion that it could happen was enough for me to go, okay, Scott, let's go. Yeah, and, and for me too. And so that, uh, again, like who knows how far they are into working – to working on foundation, but it's enough to, I think if a, if another announcement rolls out, be like, Oh, you know, foundation coming in 2020 or 2021 and something like that. I, I'd be like, all right, time to read the others, you know, cause I, I'm in it now, but I'm, I'm willing to give foundation a rest for now. I'm glad that I read the first one. So I can even say that I read it and I can say that Asimov is a good writer, but I can say it wasn't for me. I agree with you. I, th- I think I think that's kind of I think that's where we both land. I'm going to get to the rest of this because I can't not finish it. Now I am pro- completely prepared to get to the end of the trilogy and say I'm good. Those other four books don't need it. Right. I'm, this book this this yeah. book was public. This omnibus only decided it needed to have three. I think I'm good. I think I'm good. And I think with that, I think we are also good. So, Scott, thank you so much for coming on to read up for the second time. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Oh, thank you. It's like our own little two-man book club. It makes me happy to come here. It is lovely, though. It is like a two-man book club. And, of course, anybody else is welcome to read along. I think maybe I'll uh, release lists of books that are coming up. So if people want to read them ahead of time, they, they are welcome to do so. Um, so anyway, Scott, where can the people find you? Oh, well, you can find me on Twitter at Scott DC 27. You can also find me on Vero uh, on my real name, Scott McClellan. Have fun spelling that. I'm not going to tell you how. Bam. So <laughs> it's, I'm sorry, it, you have to put a little work there. But I, those are the two main places that you could interact with me, ask questions, anything like that. And then, of course, you can, I'm going to sh- shamelessly plug my own show. Go for it. And say um, you can join us over at the Suicide Squad cast, at Suicide Squad cast on Twitter, or you can find an entire network of shows at SuicideSquadcast.com. Excellent. All right. Well, Scott, then uh, it was, a, of course, a great pleasure. And I look forward to talking to you next time. Woohoo! Can't wait. You have been listening to Read Up, the podcast where we talk about books intellectually and stuff. You can find Read Up on Twitter at Read Up Podcast and the host at Timothy PG thirteen. Rate and review Read Up on iTunes and listen on any place podcasts can be found. 
Head over to patreon.com slash thoughtbubbleaudio to support all of your favorite Thought Bubble Audio podcasts. You can find all of the Thought Bubble Audio programs at thoughtbubbleaudio.com. Until next time, have a good read.